Asia Pacific Currents. News and labor issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents for another Saturday. It is Saturday the 5th of August here on Community Radio 3CR. Uh, thank you for tuning in. This is Asia Pacific Currents and I'm Giselle Hanna taking you through to 9.30 this morning. Uh, of course, uh, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. You can find us on the web, all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook. Look us up on that singular social media platform. Um, haven't decided what we're doing with Twitter or X or whatever it is now. Um, coming up in the second part of the show, I'm going to play a 14-minute excerpt from a speech delivered by Nil- Nilufar Koch. Uh, she is from the executive. Co- she's an executive council member and spokesperson for the Commission on Foreign Relations of the Kurdistan National Congress. Um, she delivered that speech at the Eco-Socialism Conference hosted by Green Left Weekly and Socialist Alliance over the weekend of the 1st and 2nd of July. It's a, it's a much longer speech and it's really good. So uh, once you've been enticed by this 14-minute snippet, I really encourage you to go to the website and listen to the rest of that public meeting. It is two minutes past nine o'clock. We're going to go straight into the news now. I will say, though, although it has been uh, just me solo presenting the show for the last number of weeks, um, that the news, the news roundup from the region, is prepared every week by James Barry, who you'll know sometimes joins me on air to read out the news. Uh, But I should acknowledge that every week James prepares the news. Asia Pacific Currents is still a team effort, um, despite that it's just me for the last number of weeks who's been presenting the show. We will kick off uh, in Thailand where the Thai election winner has been blocked and the Myanmar election has been blocked. The Move Forward Party, the progressive party with union backing that won the most seats in Thailand's May election, has been prevented from forming government. We always knew this was a possibility and it has now been confirmed. Despite being the most popular party among Thai voters, their attempts to form a coalition were blocked by members of parliament who are appointed by the military rather than by the electorate. Instead, Move Forward's former coalition partners, the Pui Thai Party, led by the Shinawatra family, will form a coalition without them. Move Forward's unexpected rise and their calls for labour reform and an end to the Les Majestés laws made them a threat to the military, which still controls the state. Over the border in Myanmar, the military junta has cancelled an election planned for this month. While the election would not have been free and fair, the junta cited the ongoing violence in the country as the reason for the cancellation. Although some some commentators say this is an admission by the junta that they do not fully control the country, others believe the military feels it can normalise its relations with neighbours without sham elections. And I think if we look at some of the discussions, uh, certainly amongst the ASEAN countries, about wishing to um, maintain relations with the military junta, uh, I think that that belief may very well be true. Um, uh, we'll stay tuned. We'll continue to cover this issue. 
Moving now to Korea, where Korean construction workers call for safety in heat waves. The Korean Construction Workers Union, an affiliate of the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, a KCTU, has called for safety measures to be made binding at Korean work sites as the country is hit by extreme hot weather this summer. Temperatures have been hovering in the mid-30s degrees Celsius throughout July and are predicted to reach the high 30s in August. A survey by the union found that more than 80% of workers had been working in the heat without a break, while more than half had witnessed a colleague faint or suffer from heat stress because of the heat. The union have been calling for the non-binding guidelines of the Labor Ministry, which include regular 10 to 15 minute breaks and a supply of water for workers in hot weather to become binding mandatory safety measures. Over the past five years, construction workers have accounted for more than two thirds of heat related deaths at Korean workplaces. And the exploitation of migrant labour is on the rise in New Zealand. The introduction in 2021 of a helpline for migrant workers in New Zealand has led to a massive rise in the number of complaints of exploitation. While the availability of the helpline has made it easier for migrant workers to voice these complaints, the New Zealand Migrant Workers Association are also blaming the accredited employer work visa introduced under the current Labor government with the stated intention of stopping predatory employers from exploiting migrant labour. In particular, the MWA, that's Migrant Workers Association, says that the law creates problems for workers by binding them to only one employer and that the law is reactive active, only punishing employers after they've breached a worker's rights rather than preventing exploitation in the first place. A frequent complaint is that workers are brought to New Zealand on false pretenses of working in a job that they desire, only to find themselves placed in manual labour jobs. Furthermore, employers don't need to provide evidence that they can pay workers for a sustained period and several complaints centre on workers being fired after a 90-day trial period and replaced with a new migrant worker. And in the Philippines, delivery drivers have stopped work over right over their rights. Food Panda delivery drivers in the Mindanao city of Cagayan de Oro this week stopped work to protest against their company's malpractice. The hero riders of Cagayan de Oro Associated Labor Unions stated that the company had failed to address their concerns regarding their daily earnings, illegal termination of workers and benefits required by Filipino law, such as health insurance. The last item is especially important for the workers who often suffer injuries from accidents on the road. The stop work action is set for peak times on Sundays between 11am and 1pm and 6pm and 8pm with many families um, uh, when sorry when many families are gathering to eat. The worker situation is further complicated by a conflict between the German-run company and the city council, with Food Panda not sending any representatives to discuss both the workers' complaints and a general licensing issue with city authorities. And two Indian warships, a frigate and a guided missile destroyer, docked in Port Moresby on Wednesday, spending two days in the harbour before heading out for naval exercises off the coast of Australia due to begin next Friday. The war games are part of the annual Malabar exercises, which are jointly held by the Quadrilateral Security Dialogue, or the Quad, a military alliance between India, Australia and the United States and Japan.
The exercises will focus on deterrence and denial at sea, with China being the unspoken adversary of the Quad in the Indo-Pacific. The Indian Navy's presence in PNG follows on from President Modi's visit to the country in May, one of several high-profile visits from international leaders in recent months, including the presidents of Indonesia and France and a postponed visit by the US President. This highlights the strategic importance of PNG in the current regional arms race. Meanwhile, in domestic PNG politics, the Parliament has backed down on the requirement for a two-thirds majority to approve Bougainville's independence, returning it to a simple majority. The leaders of Bougainville have welcomed the move with a vote on the province's future due in 2025. And our last story for the morning comes from Bangladesh, where labourers for state-owned farms in Bangladesh held a strike this week to voice their demands to end precarious employment and low wages. The workers are skilled employees responsible for providing seeds for the country's farmers, and they're protesting that their contracts do not account for their training. In addition to permanent contracts and fair pay, they're also demanding that their maternity leave benefits be increased to six months in line with that of farm managers. Elsewhere, police used excessive force against opposition party rallies this week, which called for the government to resign and a a provisional caretaker government to be formed in the lead-up to elections next year. The protests come after several members of the opposition were arrested in recent weeks on charges of vandalism. The government declared the rallies illegal and protesters were met with batons, tear gas, water cannon and rubber bullets. That is news from around the region. I'm going to go to some community announcements and then our feature story for the morning. The Common Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion, and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Common Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter. Wondering how to pay your donation to 3CR Radiothon? It's easy. You can pay online at 3cr.org.au or call us any weekday with your credit card details on 0394198377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash or card. Or simply post your cheque or money order to P.O. Box 1277 Collingwood 3066. And be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. 3CR Radiothon 2023. Stay tuned. Stay radical. Twelve minutes past nine o'clock. You're on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. 
Nilufar Kosh is the Executive Council Member and Spokesperson for the Commission on Foreign Relations of the Kurdistan National Congress, the KNK. She delivered a keynote address at the Eco-Socialism Conference hosted by Greenleft Weekly and Socialist Alliance over the weekend of the 1st and 2nd of July. This is only a 14-minute excerpt of her um, broader speech at that conference and I would really encourage you to go to Google Eco-Socialism 2023 and find the rest of this public meeting because I thought it was very, very excellent. Well, I will try to share a little bit the brief history of uh, how um, the Kurdish movement um, discovered Junjian uh, Azadi Women Freedom Life. So, uh, as Peter was saying by the introduction, that Australia belongs to the Aborigines, and so we are in solidarity with their move for decolonization. So we have a similar history, and Jinjian Azadi is uh, one of the resistance against actually colonialism. So it's not different than the history in Australia. Uh, particularly these days, we are preparing ourselves for um, conferences and events in the city of Lausanne in Switzerland, because uh, in 22 days, the treaty, the so-called tr peace treaty of Lausanne, uh, will become um, 100 years. So we are now trying uh, to organize, uh, mobilize uh, Kurds uh, everywhere to stand with us and uh, act against uh, the Treaty of Lausanne and protest the Treaty of Lausanne because it's the treaty which actually divided the country of Kurdistan. So the treaty was signed after the First World War by the victors of the First World War, led by the uh, United Kingdom of Britain. And uh, the idea was to create nation states over the territory of the former Ottoman Empire. So the treaty was actually the agreement to share the territory of Ottoman Empire. And the current borders of the nation states in Middle East have been drawn uh, in 1923 in the city of Lausanne and signed on the 23rd of July, 1923. So in this uh, agreement, uh, three parts of Kurdistan, the biggest one was given to the Turkish state, another part was given to Iraqi state and the other part to, uh, to Syrian state. Uh, the division of Kurdistan between Iran and Turkey was already done a few centuries ago in 1639 between the Ottomans and the Persian Empire. So the second and the most worst division uh, of Kurdistan was then in 1923. The idea behind this treaty by the uh, by Britain was to create a state uh, in uh, on which on which they can rely uh, to prevent the influence of the Soviet Union because as you know geographically Turkey is close to Russia. So Turkey was important to become a wall against the Soviet Union. That's why when you when we when you would ask me who created the Turkish nation state, I would say I would say Britain. Uh, so the idea that's the reason why Turkey is still specific uh, in specific interest of um, the NATO and many of other countries who do believe to expand their power in Middle East and need a partner. This is Turkey. It was chosen in hundred years ago. Uh, so the, the main problem of the treaty was not just to divide the land of the Kurds, but the most worst part was to deny the existence of the Kurdish people. 
So the Kurdish problem or the Kurdish card or the Kurdish question, whatever you call it, is a creation of this time. So the game was very simple and I guess you know, uh, it was like um, when two fight, the third rejoices. So a problem, permanent situation of conflict was created. So sometimes the Kurds, because the Kurds never accepted the division of their country, uh, since 1923, there have been many, many of uh, uprisings against this. So, and all these uprisings mostly have been against Turkey, and then later on again, Iraq and Syrian uh, repression, the state repression. Uh, when uh, So, uh, so uh, that was the game when two fights, the third one rejoices. So when Turks and Kurds fight, fought each other, or Kurds and Arabs in Syria and, and, in, and, and, and in Iraq and Syria and Iran, then London was rejoices, uh, or Paris, or Europe generally. So this was the game. Uh, and uh, they kept the Kurds as a tool. The, 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 the demand of freedom of the Kurdish people become a tool in the hands of European capitalism, uh, just to prevent through Turkey the expansion of socialism from so Russia at that time, Soviet Union. So this is the back, uh, back um, this is the history behind. So, and Kurdistan become a colony of then four states. And exactly 50 years ago, on 20, on in, in Nevros, on Nevros Day 1973, when Öcalan uh, had his first meeting with some of his comrades at the university in Ankara, was the first time when he said when he said that Kurdistan is a colony and uh, there's a need to start the struggle for, uh, for against colonialism. So that's why when you look in the documents of the Kurdistan Workers' Party, PKK, they will say our revolution is 50 years old. So that's the beginning point. So, and in Kurdistan itself, uh, so the Kurdish people have been colonized by Arabs, Turks, and Persians. But the Kurdish women uh, internally have been colonized by patriarchy, by the men. So there's double oppression on women. Uh, so this is another part of uh, history you have to know when we speak about Kurds and uh, to better understanding why Jinjian Azadi became a slogan for the revolution. So these are some important steps in the history to know. And the other, other important point is that uh, before uh, Treaty of Lausanne, the Arabization through Islam uh, 1,400 1, years ago uh, have been also part destructive uh, on the matrilinear uh, culture in the Kurdish society. So, because Islam uh, 1400 years ago was a, a tool of uh, Arab expansionism in the region. So, it was influencing also Kurdistan and it led to uh, the change of the role uh, of women in the Kurdish society. So because uh, traditionally uh, the Kurds had strong elements of <laughs> matrilinear society. So first restructuring through Arabization and then later on through the Treaty of Lausanne. So Lausanne was the most worst part of our history in the last century because it permanently, systematically three uh, pillar, uh, three uh, steps have been done in Kurdistan. The first is genocide. It means ethnic cleansing uh, of the Kurdish society. Secondly, parallelly to genocide, feminicide, 
feminicide doesn't mean just physical killing of women, but um, also raping women, kidnapping women, discrimination, special laws of discrimination by the colonialist power over Kurdish women, and also uh, discriminatory policies of patriarchal uh, male-dominated society in Kurdistan. So this is also part of feminicide. So it's a parallel process to genocide. And then, of course, ecocide, ecocide in Kurdistan means um, destruction of uh, uh, exploitation of all natural resources of the country, uh, particularly building of dams on the rivers, and uh, also still um, this burning of the forests in Kurdistan still continuing until today, like we are experiencing this in in Turkish occupied Afrin, the Kurdish city Afrin in Rojava. So ecocide is a part of colonialism, uh, which has been committed in the last century. Uh, in Kurdistan, the level was achieved that um, the matrilinear root society turned to, pat to total patriarchal society through colonialism have been oppressing Kurdish women There's, uh, from hostile nation states, Turkey, Iran, Iraq, and Syria, and then also the, um, through Arabization and glorification of the men uh, in the Islamic rules. So women have been become then another colony of men. So that's why uh, in the natural, so the elements in the matrilinear society of the Kurds, in this historically women have been the symbol of life. Jin and Jian have been together because the roots of the terminology of Jin and Jian are the same. Women and life are the same. But because of colonialism, the things changed radically. So women, the between women, Jin and Jian, there was a gap. So between life and women, a uh, gap come up. So and this is the question in 1887 when Jalan for the first time says, "Well, the Kurdish society is a mother ruled society. Why?" Uh, the the part the vital part of being women life is destructed in Kurdistan uh, in the uh, in in the in, in amongst the women why there's a gap between life and women why women and death are close to each other killing women murdering women raping them kidnapping them or through some customs which have been uh, influenced by Arabization. Uh, women and death are more close than women and life. So Jin and Jian have been separated. So this is the question in in on in April 1987. Uh, so and then the question is how to uh, fill the gap between Jin and Jian. For that, uh, the idea is to organize women, awakening women. So the PKK's revolution. Um, start to awakening the curse from colonialism, but also in this revolution, awakening the women for women's liberation. So it's a starting point to fill the gap between Jin and Jian. In 98, 1994, then for the first time, the terminology of Jin Jian is used as such. And from 1987 until 1994, so there's a process in which women start to uh, organize themselves. And it's a time period when, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, Ojalan was terribly busy to questioning 
the reasons for the collapse of so real socialism. So in the parallel process, when he's questioning ideologically, theoretically, the reasons of the collapse, so more and more women are joining his movement. And he's looking for his proletariat, and the women said, well, we are the proletariat, we are here. So, um, and he, the women, uh, participation of women in this movement helped him to find his proletariat in the new form of a new socialism, uh, um, I would say Kurdish socialism. So, and uh, he then was the one who was standing always next to women, and women have been the one who have trusted him so much. So they, the women's freedom movement helped him to find the reason of the collapse of socialism, because it was not recognizing the women as a colony during the history of capitalism, feudalism, whatever. When you look in historical material, materialism of Marx, the periods of time, so there's no specific space for analyzing the circumstances of women through the whole history. It has been done by other socialists, but not that much like Öcalan is focusing on women. So as I said, in 1994, uh, so women um, had their army already in 1993 uh, and start to fill the gap between Jin and, uh, between Jin and Jian. And then the parallel question is, okay, now we are uh, women, we exist uh, as women, and we have a history uh, in Kurdistan and Middle East. So uh, for that, several academies have been founded in the mountains. Uh, so uh, in the women's armies, you, you mustn't understand the army as a military unit. No, the army was just uh, uh, because it was happening, all the process happening in the mountains, and since you are under attack of the hostile forces, you have, of course, to protect yourself in self, uh, regarding self-defense. But the main purpose of the army was to offering women space for education, for training, um, um, studying the history of Kurdistan, of women, not just in Kurdistan, but uh, globally or internationally. That was Nilur Farkash, the executive council member and spokesperson, <clears throat> excuse me, for the Commission on Foreign Relations of the Kurdistan National Congress. She was delivering a keynote address at the Eco-Socialism Conference, hosted by Green Left Weekly and Socialist Alliance, over the weekend of the 1st and 2nd of July. And that does bring us to the end of Asia Pacific Currents for another Saturday morning. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next Saturday with more news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region. I'm going to go out with a track. This song is I Left My Heart in Palestine by Phil Monsour, and then Palestine Remembered.